From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And I'm very excited about our guest today as we continue our series on the film All the World is Sleeping. But before we get into it, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe to Film Forward on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for weekly episodes where we not only interview filmmakers with new theatrical releases, we also do our patented Gimme Three episodes. And of course, we highlight all things LADFF. So like, subscribe, and comment. We've got plenty coming up and plenty in our archives as well. As I mentioned, though, we're very honored to be joined by today's guest. And this is a first for Film Forward. We have never had a composer on the show, but that changes today. Emily Green is joining us today to discuss All the World is Sleeping. Emily, thank you for being here. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And you're the first composer we've ever had on the show, so no pressure. But for our audience, you are representing every composer in the world right now. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we ask. <laughs> First off, congrats on just a really beautiful score for All the World is Sleeping. You did a tremendous job. How did you get into music composition? Again, this is the first time we've had a composer on, so my, my questions might go a little bit more basic, but I'm genuinely curious. How did you get into music composition? For me, I, I was just talking to you previously. I definitely come from a jazz education background, as well as modern music and being a touring musician. So while I do know a lot of classical music, I'm definitely coming from maybe more of an alternative. I'm not saying you can't be alternative with classical, but for me, my mindset may be a little less traditional. I really love ambient music, electronic music, pop music. And I guess all of that to say, I, you know, I did go to college for music focused on piano and through that really found the songwriting world and the touring world and the stage. And then through that, a few friends really got into composing and started really kind of leaning into that and being called into the rooms and, and realizing, oh, it's, it's kind of like songwriting. It's just more through composed and your goal is to lift the story and the characters. And how can I be of service in that way to the best of my ability to make what other people are trying to come to life, come to life. So I scored a short and then it got passed to Shannon Riggs, who I saw was also on your podcast, who's been an angel to me. And she's, she's an angel for the <laughs> to world. All, <laughs> to all of us. And she said, you know, you should meet my friend Ryan. And Ryan and I met and he had a film and it was beautiful. And, and we had a long talk about it. And, and it was a good match for both of us with piano and voice being my main instruments and with the content of what he was trying to get across, seven women, different voices, motherhood, and enduring mental illness and addiction, we really felt that vocals and a lot of sound design around vocals would echo the kind of controlled chaos that he was trying to provoke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so cool to hear. And yeah, there's as I mentioned, the score is just so beautiful. If you can, let's go into a little bit more detail about like the initial creative process 
for the film? Because this, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was your first feature that you composed. You worked on other films as a vocalist, but this was the first feature film that you composed, correct? Yeah. So this was kind of an interesting experience for me. I, <laughs> I've made a lot of music and this, I kind of came in and thought, okay, I have to think about this differently. Mm-hmm. And the way I approached it was obviously to sit down with Ryan many times. I don't know if people know, but usually composers kind of come in at picture lock and right. kind of when a lot of the work is done. So I had to just kind of sit down and, and brainstorm with him about what he was feeling and, and how the characters could come to life best and how I could help do that, which I think is kind of similar to songwriting because you're trying to bring an emotion to life. It's just a different way of painting it. So our process was to go through the whole film traditionally, like as composers do, and have a spotting session. There was tempt music. And then we would go reel by reel and kind of edit the first reel. I would send him the first reel. He would send it back to me. I would redo it. And it was this collaborative effort of what could bring it to life the most. It was really amazing for me. I think I was surprised at how much ease there was for me in the composing process and going from songwriting to compositions where I'm using my voice instead of with lyrics. It actually was really enjoyable and I just had a great time doing it. It was it really took me out of my body in its own way and in a similar way that playing music does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned collaborating with Ryan and kind of like getting a sense of what he wanted and you know what worked for the film but once you went into the room to work on it by yourself was there ever any moments where the film took you in a direction that you didn't know you were going to go or that was like perhaps different from what you and Ryan initially talked about and you're like whoa I think I need to do this now and this is what feels right now were there any moments like that well Ryan is so great to work with because he is collaborative and trusting and encouraging. I think what was most surprising was how much we were on course before we even knew it. Mm. I kind of had the opposite experience where I just leaned into everything that was kind of already in my talent toolbox. And it just so happened that it was exactly what he wanted. Like so much of the vocals are conversations that all those seven women would be having at once but through the lead character. And I felt that there wasn't, we didn't kind of take a left turn. We just kind of went hard right even more. Yeah, you decided to lean into it even more. And and those vocals are so beautiful. Like you said, you've done vocals for other films before, but what was it like doing vocals on something that was like, your composition was did it did it feel different at all or yes <laughs> i mean now it's it has informed i still sing for a lot of friends and i really love it and it's it's something that comes very easily to me but sampling the voice and changing it into textures of synth pads and layers to kind of create sonic beds and an atmosphere that the score can sit upon was so beautiful for me, but it was different experience because I was also engineering, editing, and comping all of it on my own. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like envisioning myself like pressing record and then like, ah, ah, 
you know, and then doing it again. But also all the sound design around it. I mean, it was it was very educational for me as well. And it's only helped me become a better vocal arranger, vocalist, you know, someone who's working with the body and breath work and emotions to kind of echo what people are feeling. And I, I really, it was a different experience with my own compositions because so much of it starts with just my voice. Or yeah. even when I play other instruments, I, I sing along or my mom has pointed out when I text, I'm singing while I text. So voice for me, voice and piano for me are like breathing. Yeah. That's interesting to kind of have that be, you know, like you say, it's it's breathing or you sing when you text. And that's kind of like your artistic expression for this film, which I think goes really wonderfully in like a subconscious way of this film being about strong women, a strong mother who's trying to get back on her feet and based off of stories of real women who are incredibly strong and powerful. Yeah, having met at the premiere, I met seven mothers and it was impactful to Mm -hmm. hear everybody speaking and remembering that so much of storytelling, the origins of that are, you know, joy and sorrow and neither are constant or guaranteed and it's up and down and just kind of watching the joy that they felt seeing their stories being told was an incredible experience. It felt, the depth of it felt impactful for me. Yeah. And I think I tried to remember, Ryan was really clear when we first met his intentions around filmmaking, directing, writing, cinematography, his process. And I was just trying to make sure to do the best to lift what it would possibly feel like to be enduring that kind of chaos and also trying to stay empowered amidst crisis. Yeah. Well, I think you pulled it off. Wonderfully. Seeing the film on the big screen, which for those who haven't yet, uh, you'll get the chance on January 20th in North Hollywood. Come see it with us. But for you, what was it like to see your finished work on the big screen with an audience? What was that like for you? You mentioned seeing how it affected the seven mothers and you know their reaction to it for the first time. But what was it like for you? It was surreal for many reasons. I mean, on top of us all going through COVID together as a planet, it was the first time I was around a lot of people at once. <laughs> right. But also I, having been a touring musician for a long time, I've kind of, we've all been isolated. So to go from my home studio and be transitioning from making a living on the road to making a living in a, you know, a closed space where I'm not interacting with as many people, especially with composition now. I was so recharged by being around everybody. And then to see it start and hear the music, I was, I think I was shocked. Mm -hmm. It was very surreal for me. I've heard songs of mine and I've heard my voice on scores, but to hear compositions layered throughout the whole basis of just an amazing performance on all different levels with a really beautiful team. I felt very honored to be a part of the community and I just, it was very surreal. It was very surreal. I was like, whoa. I was watching it thinking, I can't believe this is real. I never thought I would do this. I can't believe this happened. This is so amazing. And then there's a song, an original song of mine in there as well. And then, then when that came on, I was, it was surreal. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so cool to hear. And I was sitting behind you actually during that premiere 
and I could feel how excited you were for like, I could feel your, your, your energy coming <laughs> off of you, which was intoxicating. And it, it was really, it was a special night overall, but it was great to feel your positive energy and see how proud you were. It was, it was awesome. Oh, thank you. Now, pardon me if this question is dumb because I don't know much about music composition and I've never like, I've gone on tour before with a band, but I was, I was a roadie. So I don't know, like, Really? I'm not a musician. Let's just say that. So is there anything from your time touring and your time with all your other, you know, history with working in music that you were able to carry with you and that helped you build this score? The first thing that's coming to mind right now is is teamwork. Yeah. Anything that touches the heart of others is often built through teamwork and an amazing team. That's what I took from it. You know, like it, it really yeah. takes a great team. I mean, it, it, I'm probably butchering this quote, but many hands make light work. Right. So when everybody's roles are in place, things glide. Absolutely. That's beautiful. It's so great to hear. And again, I'm so happy for you. Hopefully you'll come back on the show when you've got your next score to share with the world. For our audience, for now, everybody Come check it out with us. All the world is sleeping. Hear Emily's tremendous score with an amazing sound system. January 20th, North Hollywood. Tickets are available right now at LADFF.com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we return, Emily is going to help us out with a very special edition of Gimme Three, something super fresh. So don't go anywhere. Hello, my name is Sonia, and this is my Movie Minute. Today is officially Benedict Cumberbatch Appreciation Day. If you're like, oh man, that sucks, then you're in the same camp I was until this week. I was not always a huge fan of his. But if you're like, yay, I love Benny, then you might have already seen these movies. I want to talk about The Power of the Dog and The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne is a new Amazon movie that tells the story of the cat-loving artist and inventor Louis Wayne. Of course, a movie about a man who loved cats and devoted much of his life to painting cats is totally up my alley. But the movie has a lot going for it besides feline friends. The first half of the film is quirky and whimsical with some of the scenes feeling like you're watching a dance between the actors as they play off each other emotionally and physically. Even the second part of the film, which has much harder parts where Louis is really struggling mentally, are so masterfully acted and creatively executed that they're enjoyable to watch. I think that people have really been striving to make more creative and less straightforward biopics recently, and this is definitely one that is incredibly well done. His other big movie that's out right now is The Power of the Dog, in which Benedict plays a very different role, the cowboy Philip Burbank. He's intense and cruel with a ton of emotional depth that shows itself in layers throughout the film, like a rose opening its petals or maybe more like an onion, depending on how you feel about Phil and his actions. Of course, The Power of the Dog is getting a ton of awards hype for all the actors, which is 100% deserved, as well as the writing, the directing, and just in general for being a great film. Both films are streaming on Amazon and Netflix, respectively. But if you're able to see The Power of the Dog in the theater, I urge you to do that. It really deserves the theater experience where you can truly live in that world for a few hours. That was my minute. Thanks for listening. 25 years ago, where were you, Georgie boy? Hmm? With you? I'll tell you. Chubby know nothing too dumb to get through college. 
people helped you, fatso. One person in particular taught you and me ranch, and so we damn well succeeded. Bronco Henry. Mm. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We're here with Emily Green. She is the composer of the film All the World is Sleeping, which you can come see with us on January 20th. But for right now, she is going to hook us up with three recommendations. And normally, we do film recommendations. This is Film Forward. But when I brought this segment to the attention of Emily, she said, well, you know, like, I take a lot of inspiration, because she's a composer, obviously, duh, Nick. She's like, I take a lot of inspiration from, like, musicians and, and music. And I said, absolutely, that sounds awesome. Let's do a Gimme Three music edition. So that is what we're doing here today, Emily. I'm super stoked. Let's get your first one. Okay. So for my first one, I adore Chet Baker. Mm -hmm. The tone, timbre, his voice, his playing, so good. So I (laughs) just like Chet Baker Sings is a great record if anybody's looking for an intro. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, because I'm a film guy, I'm just going to Take it back to film for (laughs) a little bit. Have you seen the film Born to be Blue? I have not, but I will write it down. Write it down. It is Ethan Hawke plays Chet Baker, and he's terrific in it, as he is in in most movies. But I had heard some of Chet Baker's music before and was fond of him. But that film gave me like a whole new appreciation for him. And I like have since become like a super fan where he's also like my one of my I have like three or four like jazz musicians that I listen to when I write and Chet is one of them. So I didn't know that. Oh uh, yeah. It's a great movie. I think it came out like four years ago, five years ago. So it's pretty new. Amazing. But yeah, check it out. I, I, I'll, I I'll have to watch that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan and it's, you know, if I have a playlist that's downloaded for the airplane, that's going to be the top one. Yeah, totally. And my friends at home, check it out. Chet Baker, listen to him. It's just, it's good. Good music for the soul. Excellent first choice, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> now, now the pressure's on to top that, which is almost well, impossible. But I guess also in addition to jazz, I love electronic music. Mm. And I've always really been a fan of Telefon Tel Aviv. It's an electronic music act. And I just, I've always found their compositions and orchestrations and just the way everything is built around synths very warm. And I think a lot of what I'm looking for in music and what I like to make ideally feels warm. Right. I am not familiar with this Telephone Tel Aviv. I am looking him up right now on Spotify and I'm adding him to my listen to list. I'm very excited. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy it. Sweet. There's a lot of similarities with jazz and electronic music in a way, is there not? I was just having this conversation two days ago. I do think so. I think that especially for me, I love synths Mm -hmm. and, and even a lot of the sound design around vocals, you know, you're building synths out of voice. And I think that jazz is about not only improvisation, sometimes jazz can feel competitive when people are improvising, especially maybe in older school version of the jazz world. Right. But I think underneath all of that, there is also this motivation to bring out what is beautiful in others. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it has to do with dynamics and pausing and listening and then phrases and then repeating phrases. So it's conversation. 
Right. And I think a lot of that is echoed in warm textures that you can find in electronic music. And a lot of them kind of warble around the note, which in jazz, it's okay to play out. And so I like the idea that they're both echoing this thing of like a a lack of perfection. And by the lack of perfection, there is some sort of imperfectly perfect about it. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's cool. That's so cool to hear. All right. I'm checking out this Telephone Tel Aviv. I'm going to listen to it today. And now, sister, it's time for your third and final pick. My third pick is Aphex Twin. Okay, cool. Love them. I really love Aphex Twin. I really love a lot of the video content too. I'm a big fan of surrealism and absurdity. And I think it captures that as well as kind of like plucking on the heartstrings in a unique way as well. Yeah, they are, yeah, they're super unique and they take swings, which I admire, you know. Again, I'm going to draw it back to film. You mentioned you like surreal visuals. And have you seen the Sparks Brothers documentary? No, I have not. Okay. Check out the Sparks Brothers documentary. Have you, do you know Sparks? The, no. The, the group Sparks. So they've been around for like 40 some years. Super popular in Europe. Kind of popular mostly among musicians in America. But they have like an insane discography and they've worked with like all these incredible producers like Todd Rundgren and Giorgio Mortar and everything. But uh, Edgar Wright made a documentary about them last year that came out in 2021 and he just goes through their entire career. The documentary is incredible, but I think you would like them because they no album of theirs sounds the same and like their stuff that's super synthy like i mean like i said they worked with giorgio mortar so there's like mm. straight up synth albums and then there's like opera they do like opera stuff they do like high pitch like stadium oh. rock stuff they've like done collaborations with franz ferdinand they go all over the map and their album covers are always like super visual super surreal Based off of your picks and what our conversation today, I think you might at least find them interesting, if nothing else. No, that's that sounds amazing. When you asked for my "Give Me Three with Film," I was like, oh, "Songs from the Second Floor." Mm. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> it's aligned with my jazz synth spectrum of artwork and surrealism. I really loved that film. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, this was so much fun, Emily. Thank you for taking the time out. Thank you for your beautiful score. And thank you for being here on Film Forward with us, our first ever composer. Thank you so much, Nicholas. And thank you for having me. This has been so wonderful. I can't wait to see you on the 20th. Oh yeah, we'll see you there. See you all there listening at home. Come join us January 20th. All the world is sleeping. Don't miss it. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward. We'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.